You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. How about your New York Mets? Winners in five straight games to close out the week, and they swept the Guardians, not only in the doubleheader, but in the series on the show today in the first segment. We'll discuss Max Scherzer in Game 1, Starling Marte coming through clutch, all that good stuff. Second segment, we'll go through the second game and Justin Verlander's performance as he was even better than Scherzer. Then we'll close things out with just kind of a macro look at what this winning streak has meant to the Mets and how they're suddenly looking like a team that can compete with the Atlanta Braves. Look at the standings and when these next two teams meet, and if the Mets could put themselves in a position to take the division back in that series. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing, just baseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, it was an amazing weekend. On Friday night, the Mets had the big walk-off victory. I discussed it all in a bonus episode on Saturday. And then Saturday, we got a rain out. So, doubleheader, Sunday, Verlander going game two, Scherzer game one. First thing I tweeted today was over under 12 and a half innings pitch by the Mets co-aces. And the thought process there was, I hope they get six out of one and seven out of the other. Right? That, that, that was where my head was at. So, when Max Scherzer was around 86 pitches through six innings, like, all right. That's going to hit because he's going to get you seven, and Verlander's going to get you at least six. Well, Scherzer was a little bit gassed, so he came out of the game after six innings. Justin Verlander, though, gets eight. Unbelievable pitching performance by Verlander going up against Shane Bieber. We'll discuss the second game in the next segment. First off, have to give Max Scherzer his flowers, give him his credit. Uh, You know, he's got the ERA at 4.01 all of a sudden. (laughs) Crazy how a couple of good outings can turn things around for him. He's starting to look a lot more like himself. We saw him really getting strikes with his breaking balls in this one. The fastball wasn't necessarily there. But at times, he still was able to ramp it up a little bit. And, you know, he was mixing his pitches. He felt like he was in complete command. The the only time where it looked like Max Scherzer was uncomfortable was when he walked off the mound in, in the sixth inning looking gassed. Other than that, he, he looked in, in great command of all the pitches. And uh, honestly... It gave me a, a lot of confidence moving forward, at least in his ability to, to still be that guy. Now, the health, still concerned about, right? Is he going to be able to repeat this every fifth day compared to Justin Verlander, who just went out and gave you eight innings and looked like he's in you know midseason form, clearly. There is a little bit of a difference there in the two starts that we saw, but the net result was... You know, a combination of 14 out of the 18 innings pitch by your aces, one earned run allowed. Now, the offense was pretty good because 
they went up against two really solid pitchers, okay? It's not like the Mets had easy assignments. Tanner Beebe and you had, of course, the uh, former Cy Young, Shane Bieber. Not easy. The first game, uh, you know, the Mets, they were able to scratch a run in the fourth inning. Eduardo Escobar got the RBI hit. A lot of boneheaded play on both sides, honestly. Um, and Joey Cora sent Gary Sanchez uh, in that fourth inning when he shouldn't have. He got gunned down at the plate. Earlier in that same inning, if I'm not mistaken, Starling Marte got picked off first. The half inning before that, Starling Marte gunned down Josh Bell at second base on just the worst decision I think anyone made uh, on the day because what was he thinking? He played four years with Starling Marte. You know he's got a cannon, and that ball just one hops off the wall. You think he's not going to gun you out at second base. So we saw a little bit of sloppiness, I think, from both sides in that first game. I felt like the second game was was kind of tighter across the board, a you know, tighter score um, as far as you know low scoring and, and just a, a pitcher's duel where it seemed like you know guys were were playing good defense and everything else. We saw some good defense from the Mets um, in the first game as well. They get that run of the fourth, uh, sixth inning. They scratch another Gary Sanchez sacrifice fly his first game in the Met with the Mets. See him get a big RBI. That was nice. Then you had Brandon Nimmo launch a. Solo homer in the seventh. So everything was coming up Mets, right? Everything. Like, all right, they're just rolling now. Easy victory. Well, eighth inning, not so easy, okay? Uh, seventh inning, who's you? Was it Brooks Raley in the seventh? I think it was Bro- yeah, Brooks Raley in the seventh. I almost wanted to go eight, although he ended up closing out the second game. Uh, so I guess it was a good thing he wasn't used twice. They get him through the seventh. They go to Adam Montevino in the eighth, and Otto did not have it. Gave up a leadoff double. Uh, got a couple of outs, but uh, one of them played a run. Then he gave up another double, then a base hit. And then, home run. Uh, and actually, it wasn't him that gave up the homer, David Robertson, but it was his runs that came across. So Robertson gave up one. Ottavino gave up three. The Mets had a 3 nothing lead. All of a sudden, it flipped on its head, and they were losing by one, going into the bottom of the eight. But this is the new Never Say Die Mets that are back. And just as quickly as they gave up the lead, they grabbed it right back. Brett Beatty draws a leadoff walk. And Starling Marte, who had an extra base hit since the beginning of April, I think it was 100 plate appearances or something like that, where Marte had failed to get the extra base hits. He was still getting hits recently. He started to come out of it a little bit. Uh, he, he's starting to have a shorter bat to the ball. We're seeing signs, but launching the baseball, not something we had seen. Then he gets a fastball right down Broadway. I mean, could not have got a better pitch to hit. And he did what you're supposed to do with it. Put it in the seats and the New York Mets take a lead and Robertson able to hang on to it in that ninth inning. He's got a 1.27 ERA. He's got two wins. How many saves does David Robertson have right now? He's been great. Even though he gave up a home run, I will note that home run was to Jose Ramirez. And if that's that's why you can look at that and say, all right, a lot of guys are going to give up a home run to Jose Ramirez. It wasn't even a horrible pitch, honestly. Breaking ball, bottom part of the zone. He just put a great swing on. Eight saves so far this year for the Mets closer uh, without Edwin Diaz. So overall... Just a fantastic game one. Once again, show that fight. Be able to put up five runs as a lineup to get six scoreless from Scherzer. uh, And it set them up 
to try to sweep the doubleheader in Game 2 when Justin Verlander was up to the task. To discuss his performance in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right, so the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage looking for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time after all. It's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As I just said, giving up home runs to Jose Ramirez is nothing to be ashamed of. So when Justin Verlander gives up a homer to Jose Ramirez in the first inning, you tip your cap. After that, though, Justin Verlander gave up two singles, and that was it. And he made it through eight innings for the New York Mets. A amazing performance by Verlander. Uh, you know, five strikeouts, but you know he was pitching to contact, trying to give them at length. Great to see a veteran who can just do that. He got through eight innings with 98 pitches. It was remarkable. And Brooks Raley uh, only needed five to get through uh, the ninth inning. One, two, three. I think he only threw nine pitches in the first game. So imagine that. Two innings and 14 pitches for Brooks Raley. Uh, don't quote me on that 100%, but I'm pretty sure it was like nine and then and then five in this second game. But I, I, Verlander's the story because he was Cy Young from last year, Justin Verlander. If they're going to get that guy moving forward, I'm not going to say that this is the greatest lineup in the world. The Guardians are struggling as a team offensively. But part of being a Cy Young, a part of being an ace like Scherzer was last year, it's that when you face these bad teams, you don't give up anything. You are able to, you know, yes, maybe you give up a home run to the one, you know, superstar in Jose Ramirez, but you're able to carve up the rest of the lineup. You're able to get length out of your starters so the bullpen can take a breather, especially in the second game of a doubleheader. What we just saw from Justin Verlander is incredibly encouraging because I feel like even if we see Scherzer in and out of this rotation, that becomes kind of his, his season. He, he's the guy that just is constantly laboring. If you have Justin Verlander at the peak of his powers pitching like he did last year, we had a 175 ERA. He looks like he did today. And you have that tone setter atop your rotation every fifth day. Obviously it's better if you have what we've seen the last couple turns where the Scherzer has actually thrown the ball really well and you have both of them. Okay. But to me, the, the thing about having these two aces, it was always the fact that, for the most part, you would expect to have one at all times. And the Meshes haven't had that this year. And then your hope is you have two most of the time, and more importantly than anything, you have two and have two when they're right in October. That, that's And that's, again, also where I kind of look at Scherzer and say, if you got to manage that situation... By all means, it's kind of funny because watching 
Scherzer get off the mat. Look, he's had between the suspension, the neck stuff, the 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 uh, you know shoulder, I mean, everything that he's had this season, um, or they had a back issue. I mean, look, he has had a rough year. Okay, so when he comes off the mound looking exhausted through six and eighty six pitches, you do have to kind of understand where he's at. Whereas Justin Verlander. He had the, the minor injury at the beginning of the year that they were patient with it. He rehabbed it properly. He took all the right steps to, to get right. And he right now just looks like the younger pitcher, which he's not. But he's also fresh off of Tommy John, now in the, the second full year, um, pitching after it. So his, his elbow is younger than Max Scherzer's. And it, it looked like it, uh, you know, today just to see him so efficiently get through that game and to, to, you know, seemingly still be so strong. I mean, I feel like if they asked Justin Verlander to get the last three outs, he would have gone out there and retired the side as quickly as Brooks Raley did. But, um, you know, great performance by the two aces. Um, you know, when it comes to the Mets offense, it, it wasn't really there because they were going up against a great pitcher on the other side, Shane Bieber. And there is no shame and struggling to score runs off him. There's not. But Francisco Lindor continues a remarkable series that he had against his former team. This series altogether, he went 5 for 14. uh, Double, home run, two RBIs, three runs scored. Uh, One of those RBIs was the game winner, the walk-off on Friday. The other one was his solo home run to tie it in the sixth inning. So clutch hits after clutch hits. You know, anyone has a referendum about that trade? Everyone's anyone still worried about? Oh, did the Mets make the right move in trading for Lynn? Man, you gotta quiet that noise at this point. 101 win season with him being, you know, your best player last year. Almost a seven win season when it comes to Fangraphs wins above replacement. Um, you you go from that type of a year to the the consistent defense you're seeing now without the shift. He has just been the anchor for the Mets on that side, and you know, offensively. I know it's been a little bit of a struggle, but this is a series that maybe he starts to come out of it. And, I mean, it's just the the perfect time for it. Um, so we'll see if they can go on a little run here. I think Lindor is going to be a big part of it. Now, uh, you had Francisco Alvarez also get a clutch hit. Should note that one. Let off the bottom of the eighth inning with a knock. He got substituted uh, for Starling Marte coming into pinch run. He almost got picked off again. Um, I kind of thought he did on replay review, but he was, uh, I guess, just in there. There wasn't enough video evidence to overturn it. Marta got to third base on a base hit from Lindor uh, to put him in scoring position. And then Jeff McNeil, sack fly, and the Mets are able to win the game 2-1 to one, because, again, Brooks Raley came in and got that save. If you look at this team, look at this lineup over the last seven days, okay? A lot that you can... Really, really love. Pete Alonzo, the four home runs, uh, the 10 RBIs. Ironically enough, he's 6 for 29 with one walk. He's actually in 207 in his last seven games played, 233 on base. But the 621 slug is going to play. Um, Francisco Alvarez hit 333 over his last five games played. This is over the last seven days. Uh, 474 on base, 800 slug. That's a 1274 OPS to lead the Mets. He's been awesome. Brett Beatty, two home runs, last six games played, 333 average, 
429 on base, 722 slug. So he's got the OPS over at 1151. Wardo Escobar, six games played, getting some time at second base. And also coming in and being a pinch runner at times or being a defensive replacement. He's getting, you know, a lot of play at the bench. And honestly, he's looked pretty good at second base. I, I'll admit when I'm wrong, I didn't think he could play the position still. I think he's looked fine over there. As your backup second baseman, uh, I think it's it's a, a fine spot for him. He's hitting 385 lately. It's 13 at-bats, but still 467 on base. Two walks, five hits in his 13 at-bats, you know, 15 plate appearances. That's pretty nice work from Escobar. Got Lindor in the last seven, hitting over 300 with that home run today. Um, and then you have Starling Marte, was the guy I really wanted to get to down here. 316 average, 381 on base, uh, 474 slug with the home run, 855 OPS lately. They need him uh, uh, to get back to being the guy he was last year. And we're starting to see it. And the funny thing is, at the same time, you're seeing Mark Hanna still struggle. And you're seeing Brandon Nemo really just going through it again. But it's fine because you have enough of the other guys contributing that it's, it's allowing those guys who are struggling a little bit of a wider berth. Uh, and so I guess the one guy to look at at, at the bottom of the OPS uh, books here for the Mets, it's Vogelback. Really, really rough at-bats from him lately. Uh, you wonder if that's going to necessitate a move at some point. Him, Tommy Pham, uh, they're not getting a ton of production from those guys. And Mark Hanna, obviously, as well. Uh, that That's where you, you wonder you know, what the Mets ultimately do. I think if Escobar keeps swinging the way he does, you're going to just continue to see Buck Showalter sliding him into the lineup at second base and putting McNeil out in the outfield. Everyone wants to talk about Ronnie Mauricio and Triple S still, but if Eduardo Escobar is going to hit like this, um, he's going to force some playing time. And what I love about it is it's no longer seemingly going to affect Brett Beatty. The fact that Brett Beatty started both games of the doubleheader today and played third base where he has looked great defensively, that to me is uh, the best sign for things ahead to, to see them kind of lean into that and, and start to look at him as more and more of an everyday player. Uh, that bodes well for the future for this Mets team. Speaking of future for this Mets team, have we looked at the standings in a while? We haven't. I want to do that, and I want to speak about what we saw this past week You know, as a, at a macro level and why I believe this was not only the most important week of the season, but a turning point that could put them right back into the thick of this race in the NL East where they actually can contend with the Atlanta Braves. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. So rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash LockDown. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com. 
We'll draft your team of free player cards. Set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. If we take a look at the standings right now, the New York Mets are five games back of the Atlanta Braves. The Braves are 29-17, Mets 25-23. and 23. Now, I'll be honest. I am not a big standings in May guy. I haven't looked at these in weeks, partially because the Mets were free-falling, but also because I, I just don't really start to pay attention to the standings day in and day out where I'm really checking it religiously until we get into you know July August trade deadline time that that's where my my focus goes more on the standings but it is interesting because i literally at the beginning of last week said that the mets aren't competing with the braves in this division anymore the way that they were playing i i i was on uh, the just baseball show they asked me on cuz they just wanted to basically rip on the mets and you're welcome mets fans because i stood there i took it on the chin and that was Seven o'clock on Wednesday, I believe, the beginning of the turnaround. It was the Sanga start. Uh, was when I was on that show. So hey, I'm not saying that it's all due to me that the Mets just won five in a row, but I will say that it's all due to the jerks of the Just Baseball show that just brought me on to make fun of me. And guess what? Who's laughing now? On that show, I said I don't know if the Mets are going to compete with the Braves' toughest division, but I felt like this is going to still be a Mets team that would grab a wild card spot. And that it might be the better spot for them in the sense that, you know, maybe that pressure of competing for the division, uh, which seemed to drain the Mets last year, is something that they didn't need to go through. And maybe it's just better to be the fresh and loose team that, that grabs a wild card spot like the Phillies did last year. But also, you can't concede the division in May like maybe I was trying to when everything was horrible. And you got to still go for it. Obviously, you want to see the Mets fight it out with the Braves. You want to see the Mets push them, and you want to see the Mets you know, maybe grab the division and, and, and grab a bye and, and escape that wild card round altogether is really the hope. And when we look at the Braves' schedule coming up here, the Mets could be right neck and neck with them by the time they square off again. Okay, The Mets got three in Chicago. Okay, They got the day off on Monday. Then they got three in Colorado. They then come home and face the Phillies for three. Then they got the Blue Jays for three. Those are tough games. And then they go to Atlanta to play the Braves, June 6th through the 8th, okay? But in that time, you know, if the Mets win all those series, if the Mets win against the Cubs, the Rockies, the Phillies, and the Blue Jays, and they just keep a series streak alive where they're winning two out of every three, and the Braves lose a little bit, which, hey, the Braves can beat anybody, but... They are playing a series against the Dodgers coming up here, the next series. And then they got the Phillies for four. Athletics for three. Eh. But then they go to Arizona. And Arizona's been a feisty team this year. They got three in Arizona. My point of all of this is we could be looking at the Mets. Let's just say they get three games on the Braves. They pick up three over the next couple weeks here before they square off. And then they beat the Braves in that series. All of a sudden, this division could be neck and neck again. So that's why during most of the free fall, I continued to preach optimism until it got to the point where there was 
very little to be optimistic about. But every step of the way, the thing I always came back to was starting pitching. Getting consistent starting pitching. Could the Mets ever get to that point where you trusted their starting rotation? And what we just saw today was the biggest sign of encouragement of anything that happened. As much as you could talk about the the baby Mets breaking out, the walk-off win, the comebacks, the home runs, all of that stuff that turned this season around for this Mets team and carried into the doubleheader today. As great as all of it was, as great as it is to see Brett Beatty play well and see Francisco Alvarez really winning the starting catching job, to see Mark Vientos come up clutch in big spots, to see Pete Alonso have a home run streak where he homers in four consecutive games with all of them being clutch, to see Lindor get a walk-off hit, to see Starling Marte to have a clutch game-winning home run after he had an extra base hit, hit in over a month. As much as all of that stuff is encouraging, nothing is more encouraging than the start of the five-game winning streak and the end of the five-game winning streak. Kodai Senga being lights out, Scherzer and Verlander being lights out in the back end of it. And what we saw in the middle, Tyler McGill, quality start gets you through six. And as much as you want to knock Carlos Carrasco, I think there was some things that you like about his start, the way he pitched after you know, the, the rough first inning, the three-run homer that he allowed. Uh, after that, yes, he did give up five runs, but he got you through five, and I feel like he's going to be better and more consistent than certainly David Peterson was and more than you would have been getting from a Joey Lucchese or a Jose Budo or anyone else. So the Mets have a rotation now, and we'll see how this rotation holds up over the next couple of weeks. But if it can, can you know hold true and they can take their every fifth turn, I really think the Mets can stack victories, especially with all of that excitement that the lineup now possesses. So we'll see how this carries over moving forward. The last little note since we're on the, the starting pitching. Jose Quintana seems like a month to six weeks. He could be back, but he's throwing now. So now he's got to go through his whole throwing program. So that was really good. And David Peterson, take it for what you will, was lights out in a start in Triple S Syracuse. Eight innings uh, for, for Peterson with, I believe it was nine strikeouts to three walks. Building block for him moving forward. We'll see if he can turn his season around. I think he'll be in AAA working things out for a pretty long while unless the Mets just need a spot starter. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. For all you everydayers, tomorrow's show will be previewing Mets versus Cubs. I might dig into Jeff McNeil. We'll wait and see what I decide. I think Jeff McNeil deserves some recognition. He's starting to turn the season around. I'm going to do a little dive into the stats and see what I find. Also, I probably want to talk about Brett Beatty's defense. You're going to have to tune in to find out. Uh, as always, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Ryan, And follow the show, Locked on Mets.